It's tough being a teen, and it's even tougher when you're saving the world, but still have to be home in time to finish your algebra homework. On today's episode, Charlie contemplates the fashion of the 30th century, Mikey wonders why superheroes don't get therapy, and we wrap up the first arc of Young Avengers. And welcome to The Young Ones, a podcast about teen superhero teams and why we love them. My name is Charlie, and I go by they, them pronouns. And I'm Mikey, and I use he, him pronouns. And this is episode two. We got through our first week of the podcast. That is actually really amazing. (laughs) It's been really amazing. Yeah, and it was a really good week. Thank you so much to everyone who shouted us out on Twitter and who reviewed on your podcast app of choice um, and who subscribed. They made my entire week. So thank you so much. I really can't stress enough how thankful I am to everybody that did that. Yeah. No, it's been really great. And anybody that told somebody else, this is something that we're just trying to start up. So sometimes it's hard to get a foothold, but I've been absolutely like blown away by all your guys's comments and everything like that. And I had some really cool people on Twitter talk to me about the podcast. Not that everybody's not cool. Didn't say that. (laughs) Just um, a lot of people I really respect in the comics industry. And that was extremely, extremely humbling. So thank you all so much for everything you do. And I hope that you continue to listen and enjoy. Yeah. And it's great to finally be able to put this like ridiculous knowledge that we have to good use. Because. <laughs> yes. And I am, I am extremely sorry for anybody that jumped in the pool of complex continuity where we, we jumped in and maybe drowned or broke their legs because it, it it kind of was a little bit of jumping into uh the deep end um i guess if you jump in the shallow end that's when you break (laughs) break your legs but that's what we're not doing here Uh, (laughs) we're trying to guide everybody through this it's 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 a lot and we've yeah like especially now going back through that marvel history is like it's a lot when also you need to like read everything that came up after it so that's why we wanted to make this as easy as possible, whether you read comics or uh, whether you don't and you're just interested in a good story, make it as easy as possible for our listeners to understand what's going on and the context that all of these comics exist in. Yeah. And it's a really kind of crazy to think that where we stepped into this, Brian Michael Bendis was such an architect of the Marvel Universe. And now in you know 2017, he's leaving Marvel. It kind of has a crazy little, like, makes me think of, like, the impact, you know, where I was like, that's not a big, like, earlier, like, a couple weeks ago, I was like, that's not a big deal. People move their, move jobs, and they just do whatever they want, because they need to. And then I was like, no, like, well, very big impact. (laughs) Yeah, let's, let's talk about that for a second, because, like, obviously, we haven't gotten to the end of volume one yet, and we can talk about this more maybe then, but, like, when Heinberg left comics writing, well, first he left marvel to work on dc's wonder woman actually and then he left comics for tv and went on to write and i believe produce gray's anatomy in which there's also a character named teddy altman and it's forever confusing to me when i go to google anything because she always turns up and i always forget about her until she turns up in a search somewhere and then he actually went on to 
help write the script for the latest Wonder Woman movie. I did not know that. He left Marvel and then left the comics world in general. It was very upsetting because, you know, we were like, are we ever going to get more Young Avengers? Yeah. Because obviously we still have to go through a lot of the history because they show up in other books. But arguably those other interpretations have varying quality. Yeah. Everybody after Heinberg writes them and all those minis that come in between this volume and where we see them in their next big sweeping story, which is a lot bigger than I think a lot of people remember. I think people forget that the Children's Crusade exists and how many things it does to the Marvel Universe at the time. But there are other writers writing them. But when Heinberg leaves completely in after, you know, that 2010 series... Where did it go from there? I, you know, obviously when I first got into comics, fairly recently, that was like right as the Young Avengers Volume 2 was, they were talking about that when they were like going to say this is this is a thing that's going to happen. Yeah, that was your jumping on point for Young Avengers, wasn't it? You read Volume 2 first and then when- I read Volume 2 before I read Volume 1. Yeah. And I'm one of those strange individuals that reads a sequel or sees something that I like and knows that there's a whole bunch of stuff to read before that or look at before that and i go back and do that yeah i don't know some people don't do that <laughs> i'm kind of the same way because i always want to go back and know more about it which is also how i've ended up reading all these ancillary things that are like tied in on the side which you know i think there's a lot of pressure in comics especially to know everything and like oh if you came in after a certain point or you haven't read all the supporting issues for XYZ thing, then you're not a true believer or true comics fan. Like, can we just talk for a second about how that's bullshit? (laughs) That is. And that's funny because there was a thread on Twitter that I saw last week that says that old mindset where I know more than you do because you're either younger than me or you're a woman or however you want to frame that very bad take. That is such bullshit now because Somebody can just get Marvel Unlimited and like mainline 50 issues of something and be like the most knowledgeable person about that because they read it all like two days ago. Yeah. I also yeah, think it, it's, it, I also think it's valid though to say you're just as valid of a fan if you don't do all of that. Yeah. It's not your responsibility to go back and read all of that. You can claim that you're a comics fan, whether you just wear Batman t-shirts or whether you've read every issue of X-Men that has ever been put out. It's up to you how much you want to invest in that, but that doesn't make you, like, less of a fan. Especially now that nerdity and, like, nerdiness and nerdy hobbies are being co-opted. Like, as a culture, they're co-opted by these companies because it's profitable now. Of course, the companies are going to be, like, trying to sell you a bunch of crap. You don't have to give in to that. You you do you is basically what I'm saying. This has been this has been Mikey's capitalism corner and how it's bad. No. <laughs> um, I mean we all live no. in capitalism. Yes. That doesn't <laughs> Yes, it is true, but also I digress though, because man, do we have some material to get into today. Yeah. Well, uh let's start with last time on Marvel's Young Avengers. Lots of things did happen. <laughs> wow, that was very insightful. Um, Thank you. That's that's my fa- that's good, right? That's all we need to know. Lots of things did happen. No, we last time we figured out that there are some teenagers running around who were pretending to be the sidekicks of Captain America, Thor, Hulk, and Iron Man, but 
that is actually not who they are because they are the Young Avengers. And they are a team of superhero teens who banded together because the Avengers had thusly disassembled and Captain America and Iron Man found them after these very lovely splash pages in the Daily Bugle all about them and decided that they probably shouldn't be doing this. And we have figured out from then that Iron Lad is Kang the Conqueror from the 30th century, which is bad and nobody wants to live there. (laughs) We've also gotten ourselves into a little bit of a pickle because Kang has arrived. And Cap (laughs) also probably should invest in some therapy or talking to someone because his massive guilt complex is really bad. He he and Tony have a lot of guilt and maybe they could talk to each other about it. I don't think they have. But they don't. No, they don't. They decide they don't need to do that. Yeah, I think at this point they haven't been talking to each other, really. No, that's and that's going to lead to some problems down the road. That aside, in my wonderful recap, which I hope you all loved. We left off on that that beautiful, what'd you call it? A pinup pose of Kang the Conqueror? A pinup pose, yeah. I'm going to post that. That's, you know, I'm not trying to be a jerk. It is a nice piece of art, but it's also like a sexy pose. True. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's just what it also, is. Also, I don't know what, I mean, I guess Kang's power set includes flying of some sort because Iron Lad is able to do that. Well, it's not really his power yeah. set, let's be honest. It's his armor. It's his armor, Which has some kind of magnetic properties that let him float much the same way as Magneto's control of magnesis. Magnetism. Magnetism. No, magnetism can do anything. Oh, right, right. That's just how it works. It controls all, like, strong interactions between molecules, actually. Yes. You're a scientist. That's exactly how magnets work. Yep. That's exactly how they work. And that's also how Insane Clown Posse decided that they worked in their hit song. Thank you for bringing that up. You're welcome. Also, bringing up the fact that anytime I do a search for Jamie Madrox, I get the ripoff Insane Clown Posse uh, rapper by the same name. Oh my god. I have Jamie Madrox. It's bad. It's bad. I don't understand it. You do you. If you like the Insane Clown Posse, you go for it. Hey, I have no beef with the Insane Clown Posse or its fans. And I'm not starting one today. So, that leads us that leads us to the next issue which we left off that would be issue number four of the young avengers this is still written by alan heinberg and pencils by jim chung i made a grave grave error when i told you that the gentleman who inked these was named mark dell previously his name is john dell but he is now joined by um drew garacy and the colors are all still still done by justin ponsor And the cover is this lovely green poncho and loud belt that Kang is wearing when everybody is having a very bad time in the background. Yeah, I was going to say, I like that the first thing you bring up is Kang's questionable fashion choices when everyone else is dead. Like, that's the more important thing there, right? No, the cover lets you believe in the classic comic bait and switch that somehow Cap and Iron Man might be brainwashed. Like, that's what I yeah, kind of get from this. it's weird. So, for context, Captain America and Iron Man are holding Iron Lad and Patriot, respectively, while Asgardian and Hulkling are laying dead or unconscious on the ground and on a pile of rubble. Yeah. No one's having a nap. Yeah. It's not, they're not napping. I mean, maybe they're napping, but it doesn't look like they're napping. There's smoke in the background. <laughs> 
Yeah, no naps. Kang is also, we decided, very fashion forward, which makes sense because he's from the 30th century, as the poncho and belt trend is a rather recent one in the fashion world. <laughs> Maybe he's the one that started all yeah, of that. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Like, someone saw him in the news when he came back in time to fight the Avengers at some point, and they're like, oh, man, that's a really good fashion choice. Let me take that. It's like New York Fashion Week. Yeah, Alexander Wang goes, give me some of that. <laughs> It debuted the same year. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah, Kang showed up in the end of the last issue. And the beginning of this issue starts by Kang threatening Cap and Iron Man and Jessica Jones. You can tell that Kang is a bad guy, not just because he likes to wear these bright colors, I guess, but because he really only refers to Jessica Jones as an expectant young mother. So apparently he also still only sees the value of women when they're moms. I mean, to be fair, she doesn't look anything like she did as Jewel, so it could be like he legitimately doesn't know who she is. That's true. I'm just, I'm just going to drag him anyway. Yeah. I'm just going to drag him anyway. Yeah. He does this whole, I'm not here to fight, but also... But also, tell us where tell us where the boy is, and Cap, because he's Cap, he says, what boy? And then he and everybody else just get electrocuted. It's like, I'm not here to fight, but I'm going to fight you immediately. <laughs> That's how I always start fights. Right, yeah. We'll see in a second here that maybe Kang's got a point about why he's come. But in the meantime, we cut back to all the kids still locked in the Avengers training area. And Billy and Teddy still think that this is just like a training exercise. <laughs> I really love Billy in the background, like doing pull-ups or attempting to do a pull-up because I do not believe that child with his noodle arms can do a pull-up in the background <laughs> on like a piece of rubble. Yes. And then Hulkling is like doing push-ups, doing a, one-armed. He's doing a one-armed push-up. I believe Teddy can do a one-armed yeah, push-up. Yeah, no, Teddy can do a one-armed push-up. I do not believe Billy can do pull-up. If I can't do pull-up, then neither can Billy. But that was yeah. always- I, I well, No, I, I'll agree with that. Like Billy takes this down all the way. He continues to fight with Eli a little bit about the fact that they're locked in here and Eli knows already 100% that their Avengers are going to call their parents and Billy has to disagree with him until he actually is like, oh, we're, we are super dead. <laughs> yeah. Just as a side note, I think it's really an interesting character building exercise to decide like what their reaction to the presidential award for physical fitness tests would be like. And I think Billy's <laughs> would be one of utter dread. <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I mean, it, that's not a good test. We learned about that test. It's, yeah, we did on yeah, an episode of Sawbones, which is a very good podcast also. After they figure out that they're actually just locked in here, like Patriot told them to begin with, they plead with Cassie to do anything she can to try and get them out. She doesn't know if she can just get big or get small, but after some sort of pep talk by Iron Lad, she decides she's at least going to try. But they don't have any of the code, so even if she gets out, they don't have the code that Iron Man locked them in there with. Except somebody does. Someone was paying attention. And that yeah. someone is Kate Bishop. <laughs> yeah, Kate is here to save them all. Yes. Also, there's the first appearance of Billy's, what I like to call the tiny mouth. He's very <laughs> pouty. Yes. Because Eli also tries to blackmail him into magicking the door open. In another, like, offhand comment about the other powers that Billy has that we don't know about yet. Yeah. They kind of have a discussion about 
about that as part of this banter back and forth as they're trying to open the door. Eli goes, I thought you had super strength, Hulkling. And then Hulkling goes, I thought you had super strength. So we're kind of having like this conversation. We mentioned last week how or a lot of them tend to have like a second set of powers. So that's coming up again. Yeah. Because we know Hulkling has super strength, but also has some other kind of power. And we also know that according to Kate, that the Avengers are actually outside talking to Kang. They're no longer fighting. They're talking to Kang. Yeah. Once again, Kate is one of the most competent members of this group. Oh, yes, absolutely. 100%. Do we have this little panel at the bottom that cuts right back to the conversation Kang is having with everybody? And when she he points his giant future gun at Jessica, she kicks his ass. Yes. Points it not only at her, but like literally sticks his giant Mega Man arm cannon into her pregnant belly, which rude. Yeah, like terrible. You're not supposed to touch a pregnant woman's stomach. Especially not with a gun. Especially not supposed to. Especially not with a gun. No. Obviously, he didn't know she had powers because Kang's an idiot. And I guess he doesn't know everything. You know, some future man he is, whatever. Yeah, so she flips it around on him and points the gun back at him and has a really good one-liner. Kang goes, this is pointless. And she goes, it's fun for me. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I love Jessica Jones. And it's funny. It's funny that Kang looks just like kind of just like Tony. And Tony doesn't take off his Iron Man face armor the entire this entire I don't think this entire book until he gets it blasted off of him. You know what? He's kind of got a a bad like Richard Spencer look to him. Oh jeez. Oh. Well, he's Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. But like also but also he 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 over here has some has a pretty good point because he's here to take Ironland back, not only because obviously he's got his agenda agenda, but also because the time stream is gonna get fucked up if Ironland doesn't go back. It's funny because it's like if I if I never become Kang the Conqueror and then the Avengers will have never met me, and Tony's like, I think we can live with that. But it's basically that whole ripple effect. So if you fuck something up in the past, who knows what repercussions are going to happen in the future. And that's exactly what's happening here because in the next large page, the splash page, we see that a lot of the buildings in the background in New York City, it's becoming like a wasteland. Yeah, it's it's really bad. And we see the rubble and smoke that were kind of foretold on the cover. Yeah, it's basically, Kang says, if something happens here and you don't give me the boy, then it's your responsibility, whatever happens from this point. So we see that happen. And then we cut back to the locker room where all the kids have found their stuff because I guess Tony didn't hide it very well. Yeah, he just kind of stuck it in some lockers that it may or may not just be unlocked. It's like when you I go to so. a pool or a rec room and you just kind of like you forgot to bring your master lock with you. So you just kind of shove it in and hope no one notices. <laughs> yeah. Everybody gets their stuff back. And then Kate has this amazing outfit that she just put together. And I'm very sad this outfit doesn't exist. The closet so. cosplay that she took it's from very, the It's a very Avengers good. Closets. Yeah, it's a very good closet cosplay. It is Mockingbird's mask. So her domino mask. It is the same purple dress that I think she's been wearing for quite a while now. Yeah. Like I said, bridesmaid dress. It's got this rad belt on it with the shiny gold buckle. She's got Mockingbird's batons, like little staves, and Hawkeye's arrows, and a bow, and the sword. We don't really know whose sword it is until Billy decides to tell us. <laughs> yeah, and she's got, she did the dress up, like she slid it on one side and has like a I guess those are the battle stave holster on her thigh. And yes. then like flipped the end of the dress up. I think the belt is actually the the sword. The sheath. The sheath. Sheath. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. Yeah. And we get a little flirty moment with Patriot 
and Kate as well. Yes. She's Hawking Bird at this point in time. <laughs> yeah. That's what they dub her. She kind of hates it. I kind of like it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but, uh, you know, I respect it's not her thing. Yeah. Understandable. Arguing over who it is. Um, Billy says, whose sword is that? The Black Knights? And Cassie says, no, swordsmen's, right? So I don't think we ever learn. We don't actually know the of- origin of the sword. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that. Yeah. But they have this kind of like little nerdy moment. And Kate to pa- basically says to Patriot, if you're not nice, then I won't give you your present. It's one of Cap's old shields. So now Patriot has a shield. Yeah, it's not the round one. It's, I think, is it Bucky shield? Because it's the, the I think it might be. Yeah, shaped. I think it actually, I think it actually might be. Yeah, I don't think it's caps. But as we go back outside, everything's getting worse, like super back to the future style. Like when, like, Marty looks at the picture of like his family and like when things are changing in the past and like things, people start to fade away. It's just like that because Tony and Caps outfits have slowly degraded jessica is back in her jewel outfit and no longer pregnant yeah which that has to be like a very that's, weird bad body dysmorphia moment super fucked up right yeah and she like obviously acts out to kang and screams at him and comes at him with a punch yeah the kids are all watching like from their the little bunker like oh, what's happening here yeah so then he blackmails her and says well if you want your baby back then you'll help me which is yeah, not good. I mean, it's very obvious that King's a villain here, but like, also he's got a good point. Yeah, no, I was gonna say I always find it more interesting when a villain has a point to what he's saying. That's the allure of of his offer in this case. Yes, besides the fact that like it seems like everything is just like very much going to shit around them, but the kids seem to just want to talk it over. So that's what that's what they end up trying to do. Well, they're they're doing what they do best and like, okay, the adults are like clearly not working through this. Let's sit and talk this out reasonably. Yeah, so they're trying to just get out. They're just trying to escape away from that conversation, away from everything, and Kate actually brings up the point, well, if that's if all what they're talking about is correct, then Iron Lad, it looks like you maybe do have to go back. Yeah. They talk about like whether he is king or isn't king. So Cassie brings up the point that he's the young king or the good king or little king as we called him last week. Little king. Yeah, I like that better. I like that better than Iron Lad, I think. <laughs> I mean. Because I'm not entirely certain. At this point in time, and for the remainder of these issues here, I'm not entirely certain I like Iron Lad. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely like you can see in his I think Heinberg actually did a really good job of articulating like the fact that maybe his beliefs aren't so far from big kings as little king would like to think. Yeah, I think you're right. Like there's a very good character moments. Yeah, I made the joke about Richard Spencer earlier, but honestly, like King's beliefs are kind of fascist. Like he wants to be yeah. a dictator. <laughs> It's not a great look. Nope, it's a bad one. And Nate is always very, like, strident with the group. And, you know, he tries to be supportive, but, like, supportive through force. And I think that's why, that's part of why he and Patriot butt heads so often is not only is Patriot also very strong-willed, but Patriot isn't going to take that kind of like authoritarian bent that Nate has. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point. Except for right here, because they're in a bad situation. But Eli says, you know, we follow Iron Lad. So whatever he wants to do, they're going to end up doing. Yeah. 
except for when they actually crawl out of the the underground bunker and end up right where they started? Or maybe no, maybe not. Maybe they just went to the place they knew they were going to actually come out. <laughs> well, I think they, no, because they expected to come out at the gates. And I think they like misread the underground map or like misunderstood. <laughs> so they just kind of like, like you do the manhole cover in the middle of wherever the adults are. Yeah. Jess has got Kang's gun. And is still in the jewel outfit. I like that pose. Yeah. But <laughs> it's good. And no, and, and then Cap basically tells them that they, you know, have to go back. And Iron Lad acts out and he says that he came to the Avengers for help, but he won't make that mistake again. And he goes flying off. Only the person with armor says he'll go. Hulkling grabs onto Tony's leg and Tony shoots him? Yeah, he says, in that case, I hope you... So he says, Hulkling, get off. And Teddy says, I'm afraid I can't do that, sir. And so Tony says, in that case, I hope you can fly and, like, blast him with both repulsor hand blasts. Hulkling goes falling into the ground, to which Billy screams, Hulkling, and they all run over. And then we learn what Hulkling's second power is. It's shape-shifting. He was a shapeshifter the whole time. Whole time. (laughs) He was a shapeshifter the entire time. And then he says, and not a very good one at the moment, which is just, (laughs) it's all very, like... It's very cute. It's so, it's very cute. Yeah. I mean, I I like that it probably hurt a lot and he's just sitting there cracking jokes. Yeah. So Billy's got him in like a half hug and is very worried about him. And it's, it's a very sweet moment. And we finally see Teddy's face because he was hurt so much that... He was forced to stop shape-shifting. Yeah. Poor kid. Yeah, but Iron Man is still going after Iron Lad until he actually manages, uh, you know, actually manages to knock Tony out of the air. Kang and Big Kang and Little Kang finally have another showdown. (laughs) Yeah, except it's a little short-lived because what Little Kang didn't notice or maybe forgot is that Big Kang has the ultimate control over his armor. It's kind of like, um... One of those situations where two people are the same person and something's like coded to them or whatever, so they both have elements of control over it. Yeah. That's kind of what we see here is they're like literally fighting for control over Iron Lad's armor. But Big King wins and makes Little King shoot Asgardian with his uh, neurokinetic blast. And Billy's down for the count. After that, he basically detonates Nate's armor and it explodes in a fiery red blast. And the last page of this issue is everybody smoking in a rubble in the back. And Kang, Big Kang extending his hand and says, now then, shall we go? Yeah, so. It's a hell of an ending, huh? Yeah. Every, everybody's gone forever. Bye. The yeah, was no. right. And the fate of the timeline kind of hangs in the balance. Like I said, all of these have cliffhangers, but... I don't hate them because they're good and I want to keep reading. Yeah. I want to keep reading. (laughs) Then we move on to issue number five. And the cover for this one is, we didn't really talk about the covers last time, but I feel like they're especially. No, this one's very good because I love things like this. Pretty recently in an issue of, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into Secret Empire. Don't do that to yourself, Charlie. Um, Please don't. But one of the issues of Thunderbolts that I was reading at the time, with because that was the team that Buck, Bucky's old team that they kind of brought back, and I was just like skimming through the issues. Well, in the lead up to Secret Empire, 
something with the cosmic cube happened to Bucky and you see a very similar thing to this where you saw him and then all of his like memories and things that happened to him like shattered like glass in the background that's never good (laughs) yeah so what this is is it appears to be king has iron lad big king has little king by the throat and is like punching him through a wall of glass but the glass has the shattered pieces of glass have reflections of all of the young avengers and of captain america and tony stark and jessica jones as well and jessica jones yes it's like a good kind of lead up to what's happening here because you know the time stream's already fucked up we we kind of start on a another argument where kang big kang is summoning a portal back to the 30th century and little kang is begging him not to go like not to not to take him back and kang is trying big kang is trying to reason with him basically and saying you know at this point you've already fucked the time stream up when we go back, everything's going to be the way it was. Nobody will remember you. You won't remember them. And it'll be fine. I should point out, too, the pencils on this first panel in particular by Chung are super detailed and super evocative. Like, you see everyone, again, unconscious and rubble behind Big King and Little King having this argument. It's very dramatic, and I think it works very well. And the background is kind of in this haze of like amber and orange smoke and that's contrasted by the dominating figure of Kang in bright purple with bright purple energy coming out of his hand to summon the portal in the foreground. Now, the colors here are gorgeous. Yeah, no, they're really good. They're really, really great. Nate agrees to go, but all of a sudden Cassie, who could actually shrink, grows big again and pushes Big King into that summoned time portal and almost falls in after him. It's like a vortex that's sucking her in. Yeah. So, of course, Iron Lad goes no and pulls her out. Therefore, you know, going against what he said that he would do after Big King blackmailed him with his friends' lives. And then they kiss, because I guess that's what you do when you're almost 15 and some boy saves your life. I guess... I don't like this at all. Yeah, I mean, I... Like, it's supposed to be some sort of poignant moment when he pulls her out of, like, a near-death situation, perhaps. But they just, like, kiss. And there's been, like, nothing between them other than the fact that he, like, gave her a pep talk when she needed it. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. I think at, like, when you're 15 or, like, not even that, like, it's... I mean, it's even hard for me, like, as an adult to sometimes separate, like, feelings of friendship and attraction. So, you know, when you're young, that can be particularly confusing. True. Maybe I just don't like them together. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I have, there's also I, I that. I get salty about stuff sometimes. There's also that. But we'll we'll get into that more. Cassie's romantic subplots. Inclinations? Yeah. Become a whole <laughs> thing in a little bit, so. Yeah. We'll get there. This is the start oh. of a whole B plot. Yeah. yeah. And Cassie, you know, tells little Kang that he she doesn't want him to go, but he basically tells her, you know, that he's got to, but at the in the end, he convinces her or she convinces him, excuse me, that maybe there's another way. I don't, there's not. Spoiler. Yeah, well, I mean, she says that and he's kind of like, "Okay." And then on the next panel, he says, "I'm I'm going to go with him," which is literally contrasts what he just told Cassie. He keeps flip-flopping yeah. about this. And I and I understand it's a big choice. Yeah, because... But also the time stream. Well, okay, so what we didn't see 
Uh, and there's some flashback issues that we'll get into much, much, much later. They've actually been together, the Young Avengers, the core four that started out together as Guardian, Iron Lad, Patriot, and Hulkling. They've been together and training at least like a month at this point, probably even more. No, they're friends and you can see it here. Yeah, they're facing the prospect not only of losing Iron Lad to the time stream, but as he points out or as they figure out, it's actually Teddy that figures it out along with Billy. They won't remember each other or the time they've had together if Iron Lad goes through with this, which the prospect of losing memory of your friends would be awful, even more so once we see some of the later canon that we'll talk about with presents like how instrumental like all of these characters kind of came together because of the avengers failsafe program but in a lot of ways they also needed each other for their own personal growth and to face the loss of that like i can't even imagine it's hard yeah it's hard even if even if inside i'm screaming and i put in my notes please just fix the time stream (laughs) i know i know that it's difficult and it's all very evocative like all the art here is very evocative you feel you feel bad about that decision that has to be made and it's you know eli tries to tell you know iron lad no we can just go and then billy suggests that they go to his house and um iron lad who i've been calling nate then that's his name if we didn't you know talk about that earlier um you know, if they go, you know, Kang's just going to be able to track the armor wherever they go. And then Kate says he'll just take it off. Yeah. And then he looks, then he does. So this is like <laughs> the second or third time that he's been, he's had the armor off and just been in his skivvies. This yeah. It's like become a recurring theme at this point. Yeah, basically. Really quick, because you talked about how evocative the art is. I used to be, so again, All the color tones here are very, like, they have this orange kind of filter over them. And I used to be frustrated at how desaturated the colors were in these issues. But I think reading back over it now, I think it evokes a tone of, yes, like, the, you know, the apocalyptic and the desperation. um, Because everything's in kind of this orange oil field glow. Like, we've, like, it's very... We can definitely tell that, like, there is another, there's another time that's, like, merging onto this one. Yeah. Like, it's, they're, they're, like, coming together and there's so much debris everywhere and, like, smoke. It's extremely dystopian. Well, it's almost and like, I, nucle- like, fallout nuclear. Yeah, and I thought that perhaps whatever event had caused this like terrible cataclysm that is now shifting into this reality because of the time stream being messed up. I thought that maybe that would have resulted in another splinter point in the Marvel universe timeline. And there was like a reality about this, but I couldn't find anything. So I don't think there is. So let's, let's just talk for a quick moment, Charlie, what are alternate universes in Marvel? How do they work? That's a very, that's a, so the main, you can call Get that can of worms, okay? Yeah, that is just like it's it's like a it's like a sack of snakes, and you put your hand into it, and whatever you pull out, I guess, also (laughs) bit you. That (laughs) bad metaphor, or I mean, no, yeah. uh, If the Marvel universe is a can of snakes, or the Marvel multiverse rather is a can of snakes, yeah, then the main continuity that most of the canon exists in is what was known as the 616 universe. Yes, it is now called the Prime Universe after Secret Wars. Yeah, it's 
it's still kind of the 616. It's a 616 forever. Yeah. Ride or die. Because otherwise, like, it doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, well, I guess it, I'm not going to get into Secret Wars. Yeah, we won't get into it now. It actually becomes something we can talk about at a later point in time. Just know that the events that take place in this issue uh, and the time that might get messed up here doesn't splinter into another timeline like like Days of Future Past yeah. or, or, well, or anything. Well, we're not going to talk about the X-Men right yeah. now. Well, let's I, – I actually, like, before we even talk about, like, Days of Future Past, I just want to say, like, so anytime a universe has, like, a substantive divergence, that gets named as another numbered universe. So, like, yes. the Ultimate Universe started with just Ultimate Spider-Man, but once it became, like, a whole thing unto itself – with substance, it was renumbered to 1610 universe. Yes. So, like, um, then X-Men Days of Future Past, like, has its own number. So it's just, like, it in-universe, it has the explanation of, like, Reed Richards being a obsessive scientist that has to catalog everything. That more so now, because uh, Secret Wars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Again, not getting into Secret Wars. But, um... As, like, people, for people that are super into, like, having the canon defined, it's also a way to refer to all of these different, like, splinter universes or Elseworlds. Elseworlds was, like, a series that Marvel ran back, like, in the 90s to have all these what-ifs. Um, or actually, it was what-ifs. Elseworlds was, like, yeah, what if something yep. else? Yeah, so, like, all of these what-ifs then became their own, like, splinter universes. Um, but again, that's kind of a brief overview. Um, uh, but this we'll get into become, it more. It it, yeah. it is going to become extremely relevant. Like I think so. Before we even finish up all the Young Avengers stuff, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we will talk about that. But In for now, later, yeah, for now, the kids have a decision to make, but they can't go to Billy's house because that's a bad idea. As soon as they're getting ready. To like try and figure out how to deal with this, Kang shows up again, and he's got Cap like by the back of the head, and he's everyone's still passed out. Yeah, he really he he only has one gun at this point because just still he never picked up his other one that he that just took, but he came back again you know to threaten them, and so all the kids say we're not gonna take it except they don't sing the bad song. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you want you ever wonder you ever wonder when because kang's got a lot of guns they look kind of mysterious to like cables so i guess i think that's just something that happens in the future yeah it's like like the they just get bigger like future guns yeah future guns yeah well, remember these are I from mean, it's alien technology because he conquered oh, that's true. these alien races that's true. we learned that yeah in the last cable episode. cable made his yeah. i don't think he made his but he took no okay. he took it Kang is <laughs> Kang is that guy that like takes everything and then he says this is mine like this is mine now that's exactly. Why he's bad. <laughs> um, but Kang is done playing with them as he so says, and he puts his future gun to Cap's head, and before he gets a chance, all the Young Avengers attack. He shoots Kate, who uh, it should be noted doesn't have any powers. Um, it's just a normal yes. human being, just extremely competent, and so Patriot. Knocks her out of the way, and they have, like, another moment, uh, another flirty yes. moment. Oops. <laughs> and it, it basically escalates from there. Everybody's kind of, like, putting their all into it. 
And I love this because it's got, like, really good, like, fight banter. I love when, like, and that kind of really only happens with certain teams I can recall, but a lot of times with these specific Young Avengers where they just have, like, really good banter back and forth when they're fighting. Yeah. And maybe that's not the time, but it's it's so, it's so much a thing that would, like, you know that these, like, four originally, you know, six kids now would definitely do. Yeah, and it's a way of characterizing them and providing that characterization while not stopping the action. Which I think works really yes. well, especially because they're so what's uh what's important to note is that Patriot and Kate have a discussion about the armor because uh, they've gotten King's armor and King's otherwise occupied fighting uh, Wiccan and Hulkling or sorry, as Guardian and Hulkling. As Guardian. Um, uh, and <laughs> so they eventually put it down and go back to fighting. Um, and we mentioned, or we, it was mentioned on another page, Kate didn't realize that Billy could cast spells. And yeah. he's like, well, I can't really, I can't really control it sometimes. Um, but now, um, Kate, Hulkling, and Asgardian are against a piece of detritus, um, and King's firing in the background. And Teddy gives him a pep talk, gives Asgardian a pep talk of, you can do this like it's just like we practiced i you know we talked through this you just gotta be able to feel what it's like to want this right or whatever you want and you have to feel it uh and we learned that billy did not learn spells through like studying magic or this weird appropriation stuff that like dr strange did of like east asian mythology he learned from teddy's mom's self-help book self-help which is so good and also the most 2000s thing ever. Right? Chicken soup for the ma- magic user's soul. Yeah, who moved my cheese of magic? I don't know. That that yours was better. <laughs> and Billy's love like Billy's thing where he says like he just says what he wants to do like over, over and over. over again. And then it eventually in comes this, into blue text, which indicates Yes, like, in this amazing story. blue text. I absolutely love this. Yeah. Cause Billy's powers are blue. So when you see the blue text like start to fade in, then you know that his magic is kind of like working. It's so good. And then and he does something. Yeah, he wants to disable Kang's force field. And he keeps saying it over and over again until his blue magic erupts. And I guess it worked. Yeah, his <laughs> hands turn in like these giant blue orbs. And it explodes in a big blue explosion. So Hulkling asks if he's okay. And then Billy's like, is his shield down? And Hulkling says, yeah. And Billy's like, then I'm okay. Then I'm okay. I love these two. Yeah. Then Kang gets his, kind of gets it back to himself. And Big Kang, by the way, um, before Kate shoots an arrow and that she learned how to do archery back in Interlochen National Music Camp, as she so illustrates to us, um, and shoots Kang right in his armor that starts to like... Uh, buzz out and deactivate and Patriot goes in for the punch and I think I think Big Kang headbutts it the art's kind of unclear yeah it's whatever it is it's bad yeah it's not good but we get Kate squaring off against Kang after Patriot's down like 
Kang's got Patriot by the arm and is threatening him. And Kate goes in with the sword. And unfortunately, Kang turns it back on her. And there Nate is again holding up his hands saying that he'll go with him if he just leaves his friends alone. And Or is it? Is it? Nick? It's actually not. No, because we have a shapeshifter on the team. He leans oh so conveniently. He leans in close to Kate and says, "I'm not Iron Lad." <laughs> it's very, it's very, very good. Yeah. Um, and he punches Kang, and he turns back into Hulkling and punches Kang, and then everybody attacks again, and Kang ends up getting blasted from behind. By not Iron Lad, but the Vision, which who's who's here now? I guess. Yeah, um, and this had been kind of foretold when um, Kate and Eli were arguing over um, whether they should activate the armor or not. Way back uh, in the beginning of last episode, we learned that Nate actually downloaded the Vision protocol into his armor. Yeah. So that's actually what's going on here. And his and the armor has been activated, and the Vision identifies him as Kang the Conqueror, and he's a time-traveling warlord from the 30th century that doesn't belong here, and he demands that he go back to where he belongs. And Kang says he intends to, grabs Vision by the throat, which is actually Nate's armor now, ends up threatening everybody again, because that's exactly what just keeps happening over and over again, and shoots Cap, who gets up with his giant future rifle, and kills him, I actually think. Yeah. Yeah, kills him. But before they can go through anybody else, Nate pops back up again and runs a sword right through Kang's chest. Yeah, and we have and a that couple, is what we end on. Yeah, we have a couple really good panels of Nate, Little King, with tears in his eyes. Kind of like, it's very evocative of like a samurai movie where they zoom into just the bit. eyes with the sword next to him. He takes the sword and runs it through the back of uh big king's chest that's issue five that's what we end on yeah how how is everybody gonna survive i don't know yeah i don't really don't know because the (laughs) the cover to issue number six is all the young avengers looking very sad and holding um iron lad's armor well his armored head yeah his helmet excuse me his armored head i like that better i mean that's probably more accurate let's be honest yeah that's true we don't start off in a good place though Because after Kang falls dead, everything starts to change again. Like the Avengers mansion starts to repair itself. And we see the orange-amber dystopian sky and buildings that have been destroyed fade away in the background. And everybody's, oh, everybody thinks, you know, this is great. Everything's going back to the way it should be. Yeah, it's it's not great. Also, it's not great. So little Kang is wreathed in shadow when we first see him in an earlier issue part of the banter when he and kang big kang were fighting was little king called him a murderer and big king said no i'm a warrior little king refused to kill anyone and now he's just killed his older self we have fulfilled the prophecy yeah it's not good <laughs> this is very star wars mm-hmm. yeah um but it's yeah no this timeline fixing itself is not fixing itself because now it's morphing into a timeline where the avengers mansion is repaired but all the avengers are dead because their gravestones are all out in front of the memorial outside and 
I'm not sure what happened here, but I'm uh, supposing that maybe Kang came and killed ev- all the Avengers? Who knows? But what, I'm not sure. What we do know is Cassie looks desperately for it is that her father's gravestone is not here. So there's a possibility that even though the rest of the Avengers are all dead, she his her dad is still alive. Yeah. But doesn't get a lot of time to talk about that because Eli is having a freak out, which I would too. And Billy's starting to also have a freak out moment. Well, because they realize and- that if they're descended from the young or from the Avengers or they have some connection to them, that if they're dead, they might not ever have had a chance to make that connection. So everything, everything is up for grabs right now in the timeline. Yeah, it, it's it's not it's not good. Like they're having like a brief argument. And Eli basically tells him, I'm not asking you to do this, Nate. I'm telling you you're going to. He asks Billy to cast a spell to make Iron Lad forget everything. And Billy is going to have a hard time with it until he, I think, realizes it's just something that he has to do and make that decision. And even though he's desperate not to go back, Billy, you know, and Billy knows this, it's just... It's got to happen now. There, there's no other choice. And Nate actually starts choking Billy out before he can cast the spell all the way. Yeah. And we get this really good panel of Billy with his eyes glowing blue as Patriot asks him to. And he agrees. Uh, that's really both really powerful and also very like foreboding. Yeah. As the spell doesn't actually go through because Nate starts choking Billy out. Well, he's crying too. He's not while happy he's crying. About it. Yeah, no, it's, it's not. It, yeah, this is a whole bunch of bad here. Um, Teddy, you know, pushes Iron Lad off of Billy, like throws him off, throws him off, and then Billy starts to fade away. Yeah, as he screams for Teddy. Yeah, and so polite Teen Hulk is not so polite anymore because he literally hulks out and yells. He's gone. What did you do to him? Yeah, that's a great. I love that. That that's so good. Yeah, and it's it's scary it's a time having a, a giant Hulk hovering over you, <laughs> demanding. Yeah, I made sure that a big green Hulk is scarier than a Batman, but you know, I think so. I think you're very very right, especially one that's like righteous in his anger. Yeah, and we actually <laughs> see Patriot defending. Uh, little Kang in this instance, saying it wasn't his fault, it wasn't Iron Lad's fault, it was the time stream, but Teddy is not to be dissuaded, and he demands that Iron Lad bring Billy back, or he'll, and he doesn't and get to Teddy finish- fades away! Yeah, he doesn't get to finish his threat, even, because he fades away. It's so upsetting! Yeah, it's really bad, and at this moment, like- Little King has kind of been struggling with a lot of emotions up until this point. At this point, he finally just drops down and realizes and asks, what have I done? And Cassie tries to comfort him and tells him that everything's going to be okay, but he has to go back. And he says that he understands. And I think this time he really does. But he asks Eli to hold his armor for him because he's actually going to have the vision program, the armor send him back yeah so that he can he doesn't go back with the armor and he can fulfill the whole loop of eventually coming back and getting killed by his younger self so we have a time loop now oh it's sticky it's a very sticky time loop yeah and a very sad one honestly yeah like i don't like i again like we talked in the last issue about 
not being a fan of a lot of elements of Iron Lad, but I still feel for him. Yeah. Because that's this is a really bad situation to be put in. A lot of it's the art, too. And, I mean, it is the writing, but, like, this art is just so expressive. It's it's really good. Yeah. And Nate actually apologizes to Eli, but Eli says, without you, none of this would have happened, and says, you'll be back. Cassie tells him that they'll remind him of who he was. Comes back. The last thing that Kang says... Before he goes back into that swirling time vortex is that he loved being a young Avenger. And I thought that was a good place to end it, but it doesn't end there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's the sixth issue. We got to wrap up the rest of the arc uh, because Billy and Teddy are still unaccounted for. Yeah. And like, I would have been panicking at this point when I was, if I was reading this for the first time. (laughs) Yeah. Like, excuse me, but they, everybody sees a blue light flash and it's... Billy and Teddy are back, and Cap, and Jess, and Tony. And the They're all back. Back to the way it was before. Uh, Jess is pregnant and again. Yeah, everything seems to have righted itself the best way that it can, and well, everybody sits down. Kind of. Uh, Eli yeah, has. I mean, Cap is like, we should get you kids home, and Eli sticks up for them and says, "You know, you said you were going to train us. Are you just going to try to manipulate us again?" and Cap finally has, like, a come-to-Jesus moment and realizes that, you know, these kids fought Kang the Conqueror. They're not gonna just lay down and take it. Yeah, but even if they're worried, like, and even if the kids prove themselves, they can't do this. <laughs> like, they can't train the kids without the par- their parents' consent. And Tony says, but if you want to ask your parents, and then everyone says, um, that's okay, I should probably get home. <laughs> Yeah, and Cap does take the throwing stars back from Eli, but not the shield? No, not the shield. I mean, you could do more damage with throwing stars. Yeah. Maybe? I don't know. It's a weird choice, but yeah, he kind of lets him go. Are they doing the right thing? Because the adults don't seem so sure. The Yeah, the adults don't seem so sure. They have these very, like, very confused looks on their faces about whether or not they did that. And Kate believes that it's not over and asks like says we could just train on our own and teddy says well cap said he sh- shut us down and i'm not gonna make a enemy of captain america and they both get these really genuine answers about like why they wanted to do this and it, both billy and teddy say they just wanted to help yeah and that they that's all they ever all any of them ever wanted to do it's so good and, and kate points out that there's a lot of people that could use their help yeah, and are you going to stop just because Captain America thinks that you're too young? Yeah. Well, we're too young Defy now. Defy that authority. Yeah! You have to tell your parents. No. And, <laughs> like, they they all kind of settle on the fact that, at least right now, they don't, they can't do this. Like, they don't want their parents to find out. And uh, Billy offers everybody a ride home with his magic. On his and his little magic hoverboard. <laughs> little on his little magic disc. hoverboard. Yeah, hover disc, exactly. And um, he and and Teddy and Cassie go, and Eli says he's going to walk all the way back to the Bronx. Except for no, he's going to take the subway. Yeah, he's going to take the subway. (laughs) And then Kate turns to him and kind of says, you know, this isn't over. And by the way, you drop this at the cathedral and hands him one of the throwing stars. Yeah. Before she floats away on the disc, too. On the disc, too. That was it. That's a nice little moment. And then we cut back to 
several weeks later, the book tells me. So that's, I don't know about that timeline, several weeks later. But everybody's kind of just like chilling in a park. And there's a homeless man? I mean, also, there's, in this there's a couple. <laughs> it's New York. Like, there's someone. <laughs> yeah. He could just be sleeping on a bench, Charlie. Wow to make a way to make a judgment on someone. I'm sorry. He just looked very weird in the panel. Teddy's got a um, Starbucks cup. Yeah, Teddy's got a like a very perfectly drawn Starbucks cup, and like Kate basically tells them that you know doesn't want doesn't want this whole thing to end. Kate and Cassie agrees, and everybody's kind of pensive about it until she takes them all to like a secret like Bishop Publishing warehouse, yeah. and shows them basically. That she made them all new costumes. Yeah, and Billy can get rid of these terrible, like, late, mid-2000s purple sunglasses that he's wearing. (laughs) His fashion is pretty something else. Yeah, he thinks he's really cool. Yeah, he's the coolest teenager he knows. Yeah. And (laughs) basically, Kate made them all outfits, and they kind of have a bantering moment all about, like, their, like, what kind, like, what their new codenames can be. Kate says she's not being called Hawkeye. That's funny. Kate points out that uh, Billy needs a new codename, especially because he would be a national joke if his name was Asgardian. And he was like, why? Oh, wait. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And one thing, thing. one thing to note is, like, up until this point, it's never been made explicit that Billy and Teddy are in a relationship, but... The subtle characterization moments definitely make that clear, I think, in a lot of... Oh, yes. Absolutely. And I really like... I like it a lot. No, it's a a good way to do it. Yeah, because... And she says, you know, it'll become a joke when the press finds out about you and Teddy, which is the first time that it's... Yeah, it's the first time we actually hear about it. Yeah, but it's very obvious up until this point. Like, their hands are brushing up against each other. We've seen them, like, next to each other in almost every panel. You know, the it's they get really they get really freaked out whenever one one something happens to yeah, one each other. It's an yeah, Inuyasha Kagome like type situation. <laughs> and we get this like cool sequence of panels like on the second to last page where everyone's like silhouetted and putting their new costumes on before we see them in the final splash page. And Billy is Wiccan now. Yeah, and he's got his cool headband and his tattered cape. And Kate has got her awesome purple first Hawkeye outfit, even though she's still not Hawkeye. And Eli has ditched the mask. Well, the, the full, full face, face mask. mask. He's He's yeah. got his domino mask, so you can see yes. his face. And, you know, like he's not, they're not going to be stopped anymore. Even if they do eventually have to tell their parents, you know, Captain America and Iron Man aren't still aren't going to approve, they say. But it's... When has that ever stopped us? Exactly. That's how it ends. That's how it ends. That is issue number six. And we have made it through our first arc of Young Avengers Volume 1. That completes the sidekicks arc because they are no longer sidekicks. Yeah. They've decided that they're going to be their own team with their own identity. Even though they'll be called the Young Avengers. Well, right. But, you know, them (laughs) picking new code names, I think. Or, you know, new code names for those that felt that they needed their own identity is is big. So yeah. Yeah. What did you what did you think about that arc? 
as a introductory arc to Young Avengers. I thought it was I thought it was really great. I really love that it was so there was a lot of continuity and it, like it's Kang the Conqueror like sh- let's shove him in like this story, but it never felt reading it it never felt like it was too much. It was perfect like very well paced. The art is gorgeous here. I love these characters like so so much and even if I was like reading it for the first time again I think I would like fall in love with them all over again just Billy and Teddy just (laughs) like no everybody's great but Billy and Teddy are really good and they're really good together and they'll always be together because I think that I think that people at Marvel might be afraid to break them up and you never should. Because well, there will be, it'll well, be bad. Well, uh, we'll talk about that when Volume 2 rolls around, won't we? Yes, we will. But, no, I think I think it represents who they are as characters very well. Like I said, I think the characterization is really good. Even though a lot of it happens in, like, side dialogue or in the way the characters are portrayed. Like, I think it works very well and and does a very good job of showing us who these kids are as people. Even if I don't necessarily... I think probably the weakest character is arguably Eli. And I know we've talked about that some. Yeah, because he's just angry. But even... even I think it's just like Heinberg not having as clear of an idea of what to do with him. Yeah. Especially when they have this like two-liter problem, as, as I talked about before. Like... Nate and Eli are kind of vying for, you know, they're brushing up against each other with different philosophies and also different ideas of of how the team should go. Which is like kind of a interesting parallel to Cap and Tony. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's absolutely that. It's absolutely what that is. And I think it no. works very well, especially because to, Tony Stark you know, it, is more authoritarian and Cap is more of the people. So like yes. they made that even more so with Nate and Eli but you know even in the end they're able to resolve their differences and Eli is extremely gracious you know Nate comes to him and is like I'm really sorry and Eli says for what you know you were the one that made all of this happen and you've given me this thing and you know I'm grateful to it so you know like they resolve their differences in the end you know, in the face of this sad thing happening and Nate having to go back into this time loop, which is super upsetting. Yeah, it's not good. But that ends our second episode. <laughs> yeah, that was a doozy. No longer, I can't call it inar- inaugural anymore. So yeah, it's been a week, guys. And it's been a great time, like reading this first arc with everybody and with you, Mikey. Where can people find us on the internet? You can find us on Twitter at Young Ones Cast, please, if you have things that you want to talk about or, you know, questions or just want to give us a little shout out, please feel free to find us there or our, our email, youngonescast at gmail.com. And you can also find us now officially at youngonescast.com, where we have both visual references for the episodes as well as other articles and posts about the Young Avengers from us. Yeah, there's some good stuff going on in the Tumblr. And if you want to find me personally on the internet, you can find me at Genetic Ghost on Twitter. I exploded earlier yesterday about the new New Mutant series. So you can read through all that if you want. Hey. <laughs> but if you don't, you can you can just talk to me. 
It's there's no shame in being excited. There is no shame in being excited. No, you can talk to me all about this. You can talk to me all about X Force. You talk to me all about X Men. You can talk to me about things as long as they're nice. I'll talk to you back. Yeah, you can find me, Mikey, at quantum dot dot on Twitter, where I talk about comics and also writing and tabletop role playing game design. And sometimes I even stream at twitch.tv slash quantum dot. I've been kind of lax on that lately, but I'm hoping to get back on the streaming bandwagon. But as for this bandwagon, if you enjoyed the podcast, I know so many of you have already done it and we're so thankful. But if you enjoy it and want to help us out, please feel free to rate us on iTunes podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher, whatever platform is the most convenient for you. If you want to help us out, that's how to do it. Tell us honestly what you think about the podcast. We'll be forever grateful for your opinion and your feedback and your ratings absolutely whatever they are whatever they are so this has been the young ones thank you so much for listening and i hope you survive no that's not the right outro i hope you survive this experience i mean i'm sure they will i can't imagine that they won't yes but also that's not my tagline bye everybody figure it out bye everyone (laughs) bye